0: Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the Ty Reads-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan.
1: I'm Will J. Jonah Johnson
0: that's an excellent play on words i didn't realize you're going there nice we're damn glad to have you folks ladies this ladies and gentlemen i should say this is all for tantrum's sake where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate in the end we encourage you all to love what you love but for now the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on welcoming back for the next week since we just did an episode before on the garfield universe of spider-man welcome back to rachel s here to talk about toby mcguire
2: hey guys thanks for having me
0: I know, it's been the, a hot minute since we talked to you, and it's nice to have you back already this soon to kind of knock out some double episodes on some Spider-Man retrospective. It's
1: true. It's, it's almost... I yeah, know, we're, covering, right? we're, we're covering, I mean, at this point, folks, you're in the middle of it. I mean, we've, mm-hmm. co- we've covered the Venomverse, we've covered Garfield, we're going to cover wire uh, Wire.
0: We've got a Holland episode soon, right?
1: Holland's coming up soon yeah. and then of course uh me and don uh not rubbing it into rachel but uh, we oh
0: we're to see, rubbing no, it into rachel we,
1: we get to see no way home early so we're going to do that yeah. <laughs> <And then> have,
0: <laughs> i know
1: when when i uh, i promise i will not get online and and confirm that mcguire and garfield show up yeah
2: don't don't tell me anything just give me like a I know. give me like a thumbs up if it's good and if i'm gonna <laughs> out
1: and i'll just i'll I'll get to it when I get to it yeah well don is uh Don is a little skeptical we've had some private conversations terribly skeptical. Don, don does not like the multiverse idea nope. or what was the other one you time travel you don't like time, time travel
0: tra- not not here like give me a i'll watch back to the future until the cows come home, but right, you're right. just make you're mixing things that don't need. I know I'm um, travel's been in the comic book a thousand times and stuff like that, but it just you're asking to get convoluted. And if you need an example of how it looks, go look at what DC and Warner's doing.
2: So. I mean, I'm I'm just here for Doc Ock. I'm a doc Ock stand right. and you know that's now see out.
0: that that's the transition of where we're going here. So our format is this the recommending lover goes first, and I bet we're gonna drop rights to Rachel to start. They will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case. A middle person will get their five minutes of uninterrupted time to present their counterpoints or any kind of agreement to what we got going on here. And if there is a hater, they're going last with any kind of intellectual earth they have against Toby Maguire and his gravel ass little voice. After that, we're going to open it up to some shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets lovey chippy. We don't know. We're just here to kind of spin some up and find out. So let's go.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to be, like, the lover because, like... Go for it. The- Your first
0: five minutes. Here we go.
2: Okay. So, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man trilogy is, like, I don't know. It's, like, I I was rewatching in preparation for, you know, um, No Way Home. And let me tell you, like, this is, I mean, this predates MCU. Um, like, I was in college when these movies came out. Like, me and my now husband went to go see them when we were dating. So, like, super, super soft nostalgic spot in my heart for these suckers. But, man, they still slept. They still hold up. Um, Like, I know in the Andrew Garfield episode I talked about how I really didn't like his edgy Peter Parker. And it's absolutely because of Tobey Maguire. He's just, like, the golden boy. And you're just rooting for him even when he's messing up. And not treating MJ right and you know the whole thing um but to me the reason that the Tobey Maguire slash um Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies are so good is because Spider-Man 2 is like the best Spider-Man movie of all time because Doc Ock like I can't under I can't underestimate it um just amazing villain villain that you root for um that you care about great tension between the hero and the villain, um then you get like hero redemption like right at the end um just like at, like I was just rewatching the other day um the subway scene, like that's the one that always gets me because you know like t- you know, and now that we have Tom Holland, Tom Maguire you know at that point was the youngest you know spider man we had had, and like when all the people kind of, like, hold him up and, like, realize, oh, he's just this kid that's, like, trying to, like, save everybody in the city. Just, like, I don't know. It just, like, slaps me across the face and I can't stand it and I always cry. Um, I also blame that Danny Elf- Elfman score for being so beautiful um, and, you know, it kind of takes me back to, like, Tim Burton Batman Land which is a whole other problem but, um, yeah, like, I'm just, like, for no other reason and like I know that Don doesn't watch trailers um but the biggest hype point has been like seeing Doc Ock in the trailers for No Way Home and just like getting my entire life so yeah like I'm a total stan and I guess I'll die on this hill so yay
0: You know you got a ton of time left if you want to keep rolling and talking. Oh I don't want to stop God. I
2: don't know. Like, I just, like I, like, I feel like...
0: Is there... I'll prompt you. Is there is there something that lacks for you? I know we're we're playing very comparative here between Garfield and, and Holland. Is there something that the verse doesn't do as good as the other
2: two? So I think, I think, on unlike the rewatch, um, when I typically used to rewatch them, I would watch parts one and part two because part three, I remember going to see part three and then you know, Spider-Man kind of went away. And then by that point, I think MCU was kind of being built up organically in, you know, with Iron Man and stuff like that. Spider-Man three is really cluttered. It's really, Mm -hmm. it's got, it's got too many things going on. The way I always used to say it is like, you can, you can see the decisions that were being made in boardrooms about which villains needed to be in the movie and why, and it always kind of felt like some of the green goblin stuff was too close to the first movie. Plus you've, you know, you've kind of, you have the stuff going on with Harry Osborn for a while, kind of in the, it's kind of in the background of the second movie too. Um, but, you know, you've got Sandman and then you've got Venom and then you've got, <laughs> then you've got comic um, Toby McGuire acting like he's in my chemical romance um, in that black suit, which has you know become you know basically a meme at this point in life um the 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 original trilogy is also really memeable, which I also just love from a meme perspective but um when I rewatched it this time, it's not that it was bad; it was just they should have like backed off like they should have saved venom like if you take venom completely out of it and just ignore it Mm -hmm. and just act like it doesn't exist it's fine but it's there and you have and you have to watch it so um and and i can kind of see why that's why we didn't get another sam raimi spider-man after that and and that's kind of sad and then of course you know we go down the route with um right but yeah okay so
0: Looking yeah, good, you, Rachel.
1: You, you nailed it, Rachel. Um, the Sandman was Raimi's choice. Uh, Venom was not. Venom was a forced call by the studio. So that's why it does feel rushed, because he built up a great story with Sandman and then had to abandon it to get Venom.
0: Do you want I'd the next five, to... Will?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll oh, before I do, because I, I am just, I know I will have a different one. Rachel, okay. what is your top three rankings of
0: Spider-Man. Oh, Ooh, God! We're doing this here. Huh? Like okay. like
2: okay. All, like all of them?
1: No, no, just just the just the Raimi's. What's the oh, three?
2: How okay. <laughs> like? spider Spiderman. This two, is easy. Spider-Man two, Spider-Man one, and then Spider-Man
1: three.
0: Yeah. I second that.
1: Alright, so that that is how I will lead off
0: mm, by, okay um, the clock and... starts, man. Fire away.
1: Alright, all right, cool. Uh, there we go. Okay. So My rankings are very different. Uh, This will maybe shock many of you, um, but my number one is Spider-Man 1. Uh, Then I go Spider-Man 3. And then I go Spider-Man 2. Um, So, and that's not that any of them are bad. I think all three of them are great. Uh, I think Spider-Man 2 is great. I've noticed, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because we live in a post-MCU world now where the universes are more connected, but... Um, I've noticed that a lot of the second movies, a lot of the sequels, direct sequels, have not held up like they used to. like I remember back in the day, X-Men and X2, like everyone always went X2. Uh, but re-watching those recently with my daughter, I was kind of like, X2 doesn't hold up as well. X-Men One really does. I, I don't know if it's because of the way that they're setting up the story with the, the origin, and that's con- the origin stories have always been very strong for Marvel films. I don't know if that's it uh, or else, but the same thing was Spider- like Spider-Man two. I found myself more emotionally connected to one and three because they felt more cohesive. Like they felt like MCU movies in that you had the first one that builds up, you know, who Spider-Man is. And then the third one, see, it seemed more lived in. Uh, it's almost like um they don't have like, yes, of course, all the stuff that happens in Spider-Man two is important and Doc Ock is great. But when you watch all three of them like in a row, I remember I just watched them one night each. You know, it, one and three seem to coalesce better to me in the story of what Tobey and what what Ramy trying to do. Now that is saying with all the stuff that the studio forced upon Ramy, uh, including Venom and things like that. Um, but uh, I still think Spider-Man three, especially in a post MCU world, just kind of works a little bit better for me than two. Um, so I'm definitely not a hater of any of them. I think all three are brilliant. I think I gave Spider-Man one on Letterboxd. I think I gave that five. I gave Spider-Man three, four and a half. And I think I gave Spider-Man two, four and a half. So it's not like I hate any of these. Um, what I like about these, and this is something that uh, does worry me a little bit. I'm not one of these MCU people that thinks that the directors don't have any say on uh, what they direct. But the the Marvel films in general do have a, they do have a kind of a house style, just like the comics did. There's a Marvel method. And so sometimes, like those personality quirks, they can be really under the radar. Like Kenneth Branagh got away with a lot of Dutch angles and weird stuff that they weren't sure what to do with. And of course, Taika Waititi got to have his trademark comedy in because that was affecting more of the script. But I think some of these technical directors... They either make their own mark on it, like the Russo brothers, who have a very distinctive physical style, or um, they uh, kind of go towards the house style, which I have no problem with. The thing about Raimi is Raimi is a very... What I love about the Raimi Spider-Man movies is they are Marvel films, they are Spider-Man films, but they are also Sam Raimi films. Sam Raimi is uh, directing... Uh, Doctor Strange in the the Multiverse of Madness, and I've heard some criticisms online, mostly from the people who think Marvel is the death of cinema, that think, like, well, it'll just look like the same old Marvel thing, it won't be a Raimi film. While I think he'll be tamped down, uh, I don't think that's necessarily bad, I think he's got instincts that will propel that narrative forward, and if anything, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because of the three Spider-Man films he did. Um, I mean, some of the highlighted sequences, you know, Are the jump scare in the first one. Uh, My favorite moment, we talk about things being memeable, but I always use the picture of right before Green Goblin gets stabbed by his glider, like everything stops and Willem Dafoe goes, Oh, and then it goes back to the, to the fight. Um, And of course, probably the best action sequence, the most Raimi-esque sequence in all of Spider-Man is Spider-Man 2 in the hospital scene. You know, when Doc Ock's, uh, you know, his limbs are coming alive while they're operating on him. Um, So the, the film manages to be everything without sacrificing, sacrificing nothing. You know, there's no, there's no, uh, they let Raimi be him. The only thing they forced him on was, you know, putting venom in Spider-Man three. That said, there's a lot of cool Raimiisms and venom stuff that, that Raimi puts into venom that is effective. So, I don't totally hate it; it's just rushed. But yeah, I think all three are great. I do not think three sucks. My second favorite of the three, and I yield the rest of my time, sir.
0: Not bad. I think you're right on right on the mark for me over here. No. All right, I'll throw my five up here. I I know I'm in the third slot in the hater slot, but I can't hate these movies either. Um, in any way, shape, or fashion, they're just too much fun. I'm with Rachel. I'm a two-one-three guy, and three for me is a little more distant away than two and one. I just rewatched part one uh this past weekend trying to get a little closer to you know rewatching everything in time for for No Way Home. I'm not gonna make it but I'm I at least wanted to get back and see Maguire and I wanted to get back into and, and I will do Spider-Man too. I would do want to get more of Doc Ock. And I think uh in the Blu-ray disc I got or the four case that I got the two point one cut is there. So I think there's a little extra character work in there from Molina that I would like to do. So no I what what i love about this trilogy is the non mcu-ness the that that is Raimi, that it is a street level hero that is not iron man junior we're going to have this fight when we get to the holland episodes but this is a a, a tortured angsty teen it like kind of like by design and what he's supposed to be and i appreciate that now is he a whiny puss no not not till part 3 but uh he does well with just keeping this as a New York hero doing New York things and not getting too intergalactic and too crazy. My knock is always on the Spider-Man films that, but it's also inbred in the comics where you can't remove it is everybody knows everybody. And I hate that. You know, you can't, it's so difficult in a city of 12 million metropolitan area people that you have the same eight people who are all interrelated that just happen to be superheroes or superhero collateral damage. And I'm like, come on, branch out a little bit. So I can't, I mean, that's, but that's also the comic. I can't knock that. I'll knock it on the global level, but I can knock it on the movie level. I was one of those people who, back in the day in 02, I was skeptical of what Toby McGuire could do with this. he, he he looked too old then he felt too old now at 20, you know, he was 27. Then he's as old as Garfield was when he started as well. And I, he just, just doesn't look like an 18 year old kid, which is fine because I think where they get out of high school quick enough that you can make, you know, make this Spider-Man into a man and it's fine. And Dr. Octopus right there with Rachel is easily the best villain that we've had uh, in, I'll say it just in any of the Spider-Man movies, period, because he just, exactly what rachel said he's he's a rootable villain he's an understandable villain he's a sympathetic spot uh molina's performance is right there where there's enough edge to be diabolical you know twist like those cigars with those tentacles and all that but at the same time have some heart behind those eyes uh heart behind that menace which is really appreciable that i like and yeah i'm with you well where the rame is good you know it's it's a good weird little movie i was in rewatching the first one this weekend I forgot how much of a body count he's got going you know Dr Octopus is or I'm sorry Dr Green Goblin is killing some motherfuckers and there's a you know a very PG13 body count there which I don't know if you could get away with nowadays in a Spider-Man movie at least a Disney one and and I and yeah there's there's enough weirdness there to kind of to to yeah to push the envelope and be just a little more embracing is it still a little much and over the top I think that's by design as well I, I'm not much of a Willem Defoe fan in general I think he's chewing all I th- go ahead man I think he's chewing 800 pounds of scenery in this where it's just like hey I get it you're maniacal but <laughs> turn it down a notch or what the talking to the mask stuff kind of doesn't work for me and I know Defoe can contort himself into anything you want him to be. He's one of cinema's great chameleons, but my goodness, does the man dial it to twelve every time when when an eight is all you need. And I I enjoy what he can do. He's the right kind of guy for this villain. And yeah, for a Ramey film, you want a twisted motherfucker, and I'll, and I'll take that. I think Molina, you know, drills it down much better in part two to kind of make something a little straighter, a little bit more believable. Three's just a mess. And I'm one of those people who will call it a mess. And if it's the studio making that mess, then yep, lay lay blame at the studio, and that's fine with me. The angles with Sandman are very good. I think that in a way, they're like a poor man's Dr. Octopus, where you have the same thing. You have kind of a sympathetic villain thing going on there. Still stay street level, which is really good. But yeah, everything about the venom part, and I hate Topher Grace with a passion. He ruins every movie he's in period it is the 70s show effect where that entire cast just about other than about three outliers ruins every single movie they're in so fuck to for grace fuck spider-man 3 the rest are a blast and i'm looking forward to seeing i know i've been spoiled enough by all this trailer stuff i i'm very okay with seeing alfred molina again and see what he could do with something new my time is up (sighs) as well
1: well well i hate don <laughs> so many lines. You don't understand. You don't understand. So while everyone was freaking out over the while everyone was freaking out over the hello Peter in the uh, trailer, yeah. I was freaking out because I heard that Defoe cackle. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I was freaking mm-hmm. out because D- now Defoe Defoe is not only one of my all time favorite actors, mm. um, uh, but Green Goblin is one of my favorite Spider Man villains. Like I play yeah, him. Up there. I don't mind them. Yeah, so I am pumped for Green Goblin. Like I I, 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 like Doctor Octopus. Don't get me wrong, but everyone seems pumped for Doc Ock, and I'm just like Green Goblin's back, baby. Defoe is back. Yeah, no, no, I'm you're your sitting dog here. No, and you're sitting here saying Defoe sucks, and I just I, I want to strangle much. you. No, no, no. And like, so, it, and- hold on, hold
0: on. I got to put a timeout for the cause here, and I, so folks, please enjoy a short announcement from the Ruminations Radio Network, and we'll come back to this combo. The year is 2043. You're playing fantasy fantasy football. football. It is championship week. You're trying to set your lineup, and you don't know what to do. Robert Griffin IV and his top target, Will Fuller VI, have carried you all season, but they're facing a London Jaguars team that has the top defense in the league. Your other quarterback is a 66-year-old Tom Brady who's playing against the much more manageable Toronto Bengals. So you turn to Nick and Elijah
2: of the 25 Yards Later podcast, a production of Sports Obsessive and
0: Ruminations Radio Network. Be a champion. A champion.
1: Listen and subscribe
0: wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Rachel, you're up. Fire away. What do you got? Okay,
2: yeah. Like, I I, I guess I'm, like, so focused on Doc Ock, I didn't even mention Green Goblin. But, like, and I, I think what's great about William Defoe is, like, um like he always understands the assignment and i mean i know you were like it should be an eight and he's a 12 but man the fact that he's like talking to himself in a mirror yeah. and like yeah is it's
0: cool. asking a lot uh-huh
2: <laughs> i just i i i i feel like we were so blessed because we got we got this and we got boondock saints like within the span of That's a right. few years and yeah. you just like william defoe who are you man and like and, and then like uh <laughs> and like shadow of the vampire and like you know all of this mm-hmm. other work but like i mean yeah,
0: his like, his aughts run is just full of quirks and like he, i don't get me wrong the man is fun but he's he's just a lot for me but, it's a but
2: lot. i i think what's important about spider-man is you know especially if you're looking at it from a historical perspective mm-hmm. you know pre-mcu he, I mean, I feel like William Dafoe is a heavy hitter. He is a big name, yeah. and he...
0: Totally. That he sells would, the movie, for he sure.
2: willingly was like, yes, I want to play a comic book villain, because, I mean...
0: Well, how many rumors were there that he was going to be the joke... that he wanted the Joker part yeah. that Nicholson oh, got my in God. 89, you like, know?
2: Can you even imagine? Well, <sighs> well I,
1: and I... Here's the thing. This uh-huh. is what I've always defended. Um, you can... The reason why there's so many great actors, like, in the MCU, for example, is because to me the reason why these films work is because they hire the right actors Mm -hmm. that understand that it is is inherently ridiculous so the fact that you have a raimi film which is always kind of a little zany to begin with i mean the evil dead has some very horrific moments Mm -hmm. but it's also hilarious because it's so over the top and crazy and i like that he brought that to spider-man because really when you pick up just pick up a random spider-man comic from 1987 or something there is some crazy ass shit going on in those things true and and i and i love that they didn't try to make it too serious they just said you know what defoe do your thing buddy go to 12 go to 13 because (laughs) in in the end you see then you get the difference you get is you get somebody like... Uh, what's the guy's name from Chronicle that's in... Uh, Dane, Dane, Dane,
0: Dane DeHaan, yeah. Yeah,
1: which, what you end up getting is you get this serious emo approach, and then you see a guy with fangs riding around on a collider, and it just yeah. doesn't work. It's kind of like... Uh, the other one I think of is... Um, I think his name is Julian McMahon, who played Dr. Doom in mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like When you take it too seriously... It I agree. Beca- it becomes patently ridiculous i think the reason why this film works spider-man works and why i still love green goblin even though the it's a power ranger costume and it's absurd yeah it's awful it's is dated that, as fuck no i love it I, I see i see it on the posters now and i yeah. am in love with it but um <laughs> yeah but i think it is necessary to go to 12 because otherwise you've literally got a guy named green goblin okay I'll grant, I mean? I'll
0: grant that I'll grant that well well here here's my next thing that and maybe this is what is a weight that holds goblin down because when he has to be norman osborne it it gets it becomes a drag I don't think much of James Franco either, and he is just he's the he's the he's the boring pussy of this movie uh, more than to no, require I mean, ever is it's
2: it's i just i can't do it it's it's vintage james franco which means i can deal with it a little bit better because it was before he became like just yeah the, the awful problematic person yeah. that he is in in fandom and life mm-hmm. and, and acting and all of that and um i i kind of am like okay like that's when you were like pretty and you had just played james Dean <laughs> and Right. I, I, we 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 gave you a pass. No, I, but now you're annoying. I get, yeah. I I don't care if you come back.
1: Um. I, we, <laughs> See, in, like in, the, him, in the small goes. Like go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say I like him in one and three. I think in two. Mm. That's that's mm-hmm. another part that didn't stick with me is they're trying to get him from A to B to C, mm-hmm. like yeah. as a, in a character arc. And I think that in A it's built up perfectly. Yeah. And in C it's built up perfectly. Or I'm sorry, in three it's built up perfectly. But I think in two. It's too much like, yo, Peter Park, he's got the slick uh, shades on and he's too, like, it it feels Mm -hmm. like he jumped a step. Yeah. And they scaled it back a little in three. So I actually like James Franco in one and three. So I'm, I'll take him, I'll
0: take him in the small doses we got him in one and three. I'll I'll grant that. I'll grant that. Although the hard part is with, I know you're good. I know Raimi meant to close that arc, and it's an arc that needs to be closed because of. And you can't again; you, it's hard to blame Venom. But, but by the time you have Sandman, a last-minute Green Goblin that is Franco, and then Venom, it just becomes too much. And then I'm sitting here going, "Well, which one am I subtracting?" In my un, you know, my uneducated brain, Sandman's great and fine. Venom, I, I like if they can pull it off, but then I'm like, alright, I had enough James Franco last movie, can he just be away this movie? It's so, a good,
1: it's a, it's a good I question I, though, I, Don, yeah. I, and I like Rachel to go in on this too, mm-hmm. because that used to be the superhero problem. Uh, you know, after Batman Returns, when they had Catwoman and Penguin, and they also yeah. had Max Shrek, which you forget about, they had uh, Christopher Walken too, mm-hmm. uh, in that movie. That was like, superhero movies tried to double down on everything. It was always two or three villains, and it was yeah. That always used to be the problem. Um, but we're in an age now where you can have something like Infinity War in Endgame, which literally has forty characters in it. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't but that feel is... bogged down. How do you what I'm saying is, do you think that like if they made Spider-Man three now, we'd have the same complaints about all the multiple villains and the I'll multiple.
0: Say, well, I'll let Rachel go first and I'll have an answer here for you.
1: I mean,
2: I think if they made Spider Man three now, I think Sammy would I think Sam Raimi would win his argument and say, let's save Venom for the fourth part. But I also think if they were doing it now, they would film, like, part three and hypothetical part four at the same time, kind of like Mm -hmm. they did the Matrix movies. And so it's like, then it's kind of, like, seamless. I feel like now that'd be a good
0: that'd be a cool way to do it
2: like i i feel like what was happening back in the studio days then was like okay you filmed one and you put it in the can and okay let's see how it does and so they kind of like felt like they had to put all their cards on the table and then that screwed them over whereas now i think people understand like i mean not not to use twilight as an example but like (laughs) twilight you know like the last book is like two movies and it's like as much as i don't like twilight at least they gave it like room to breathe and pull in all the elements they felt they needed to do they did the same Mm -hmm. thing with harry potter and you know deathly hollows yeah yeah so like i think the fact that now we've seen successful movie series take the time and break things up and let things be longer and let things develop more organically i don't think we'd have that problem now. I think it would mm-hmm. all be just the thing and then yeah. it would go into Venom.
0: I think you would still have a problem, and here's the reason why. Like the things you all cite work for how work for work at the size that they are because of their setting. Like Infinity War can be so effing huge because it's a huge story covering galaxies and universes and everything like that. Hunger Games is covering an entire nation ripped by the hunger gamesy donald sutherland thing spider-man at least in terms of what Raimi did is just new york city just a street level hero just with his issues there you know what i mean yeah so then like for just that street level good old-fashioned spidey one or two villains is all you need that's a handful for that guy so by the time you're tipping in three and then you're kind of throwing in what is it, James Cromwell and a little Gwen Stacy for fun, and like yeah. you're really you're you're packing in a ton of stuff that, yeah, now you're overweighing something for its setting. That's the argument I would make. Where if you were to make Spider Man three today, stay in New York and stay street level. It's going to be too much. If you're making – now, if it's the Spider-Man of today that has done Infinity War and a thousand things, unfortunately, and that's my fear coming up with No Way Home, is that you've blown Spidey up so damn big because he's Iron Man Jr. And he's the global huge hero now. There's no way you can shrink him down to just New York City, just one single problem. And now that you've outed his identity – the whole damn city's after him. Let alone every multiverse and dumbass thing. Where it's just too much for just one guy who should have enough problems from one thing at a time. I, it, it would be too much even today because of the size of the setting. That's yeah, kind no, of the root of my thing.
1: I think it does come down to execution as well because a lot of people, Very true. even Very though, true. even though, even though I love Eternals, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, that seems to be one of the chief complaints: is that there's too many characters to try to cram into uh one movie. It's almost like it's almost Eternals is almost like an Avengers movie in that there's like ten characters mm-hmm. that have to function together, work together, uh, and you have to reach these emotional peaks with them. Um something like the Avengers, it makes more sense because you gave them all original films. Yeah. the build up is done. Yeah. The build up was done. DC has the same problem. You know, they try oh, to do yes. they try to do um, you know, Justice League before they have half the characters having their own movies and it, but, but also at the same time, there is the argument is like, how, why can't a movie stand on its own? You know? So mm-hmm. I can see both sides of it, but uh, I mean, I, I guess it just depends on how you grasp the material. Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I We would not have what we have now without these films. And that's why I, th- I like Spider-Man three a lot, because I feel like it's a very MCU film in terms of it's lived in quality. It's mm-hmm. universe building. I, I I feel I like think it's I'm an watching.
0: MCU film for the wrong reasons, and it's the ones you brought up where it's too much uh. shit going on.
1: No, that's and that's fine. Yeah. I don't know if I it's I like that storytelling. I don't know if it's because it's it feels like a comic. Like we I don't know if we talked about this in the um Garfield episodes, but um Amazing Spider-Man 2 is an atrocious movie, but I love the first like 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes because it feels like a comic book and i think a lot of spider-man 3 feels like comic book it, it it feels a little bit more like it just gives me more of that vibe i feel like i'm reading an issue i picked up off the stand and i'm in the middle of the story and there's a lot of drama and yeah. it, just, it just works for me.
0: Uh, and, even that story you pick up off the stand doesn't have four and a half villains in it come on
1: well, <laughs> unless it's an and, annual and at the like, end
0: of the story
2: and, like, keep me honest here, but, like, Kevin Feige was, like, an advisor on the Raimi films, as well as the Andrew Garfield ones, correct?
0: I Was it him, or was it Avi Arad?
1: I don't think he was on the McGuire, or, uh, Garfield films. I don't know, but I know that he was, he was, he got his start on X-Men in 2000. Yeah, that's right. That's where I know. And right. he was, he was involved in Spider-Man, he was involved in, um, uh, Fantastic Four, the Ang Lee Hulk. So he, so the he, Fox he def- stuff.
0: he definitely
1: okay. had his his uh, say in a lot of this stuff. I don't think though that he really had any sway on I don't Marvel. think
0: so. I think it's the Sony thing more than anything. Yeah. He yeah. did
1: have he was an advisor on the Raimi film. So because that was when he was he was um, you know, building his brand, so to speak. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, I, I it, it, what it could have, should have here, I, I mean, I know we have a ton of time left, well, I, we can end this whenever we want to, but um, what it could have, should have, what does Spider-Man 4 look like, if anything was allowed to keep going?
2: Oh. Uh, I mean, if... High
0: um, the sky stuff here.
2: I mean, if it were me, I would have moved Venom to part four, and I would have moved the Gwen Stacy stuff to part four, because...
0: You know, I would have yeah i'm with you there keep going
2: because you know like the, i i feel like gwen stacy was also an element that got shoehorned in and yep. you know it's kind of depending where where you how you feel about Gwen stacy in the comics and her versus mj i'm i'm team mj forever um no matter who mm-hmm. plays mj because like mj is the best um but it it's kind of like it 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 was given god it was given Peter Parker too many freaking problems in Spider-Man 3 it's like let's fight yeah. with MJ let's fight with Harry let's have like a emo breakdown and then let's <laughs> dance badly sing badly mm-hmm. hit, hit MJ like problematic yes. stuff is happening in Spider-Man 3 for real um and then you know let's go back to being like normal Peter Parker by the time it's yeah, all over good luck um, so, I, yeah, I would, I would take, I would literally, like, slice those things out and be like, okay, put them in, like, a fourth movie and, and go forth and, and do that, so. Well, in
1: a bizarre way, Okay. Amazing Spider-Man 1 kind of went the way I thought Spider-Man 4 would go, because one thing Raimi did, and this is why I get a little MCU feeling from this, is that and the X-Men movies did this sometimes too. They throw in like a Hank McCoy every now and then or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But um they were building up Dylan Baker's character of Kirk Connors yeah. throughout the trilogy. Yeah. So, uh I was fully expecting if there was a Spider-Man 4, it would be Lizard. Mm-hmm. And um that is kind of what Amazing Spider-Man ended up doing, but unfortunately it was wrapped in a new origin story. Yeah. Um so I think um with Venom being dispatched and Sandman disappearing uh, lizard would have been the next thing i I don't know how I mean people obviously were upset with Spider-man 3 is very polarizing. I don't know how like can you go back <laughs> to a little bit more um because you have the first one, which did what it did it It was a revolutionary film for a lot of reasons. oh yeah but it was one villain, and you still had one villain in the second one, but you upped the stakes. You know, they obviously had more money to put into it, you know, better special effects. I think they won the Oscar for Spider-Man 2, if I I recall. You know, so everything was kind of amped up for the sequel. You know, it just had more money behind it. It had better writing. It had, you know, just a lot of stuff behind it. And then the third one, you just went gonzo and had all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. So, would you be able to scale back Spider-Man Four and just have one villain again? You know, like, or do you have to sustain that level of just that's gone so craziness yeah. like so that i don't know like even though i think lizard would be perfect i'm like how do you get to lizard from where you just were with all yeah. of this crazy shit
0: happening i'm with you and that's i feel like that is the death rattle of every comic book franchise they they start right where you're supposed to origin intimate small sequel ups the stakes a little bit at some point they blow it up too big and there's no way to deflate that balloon and not sag like a pair of old balls you know so because the x-men movies did it like once they did that last stand dark phoenix where they threw everything in the kitchen sink and decided to take a popular story and bastardize it to throw all their kitchen sinks in there that thing fails and falls on his face. Spider Man three throws too many things in there, fails and falls on his face. Spider Man two just kind of, or the I guess shit, the, the the Garfield ones just kind of fail because they're just too loud and too indifferent. And I guess you'd still throw in too many things in there as well. And I I I have oh, yeah. that they, same they... I have that same worry that we're going that way with Garfield. I'm scared to death of this you new mean movie Holland? You mean Holland. With Holland, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no,
1: see that's that's why. I was kind of engaged with Garfield part two for the first 15 minutes because I was like, oh, okay, they're going they're, They They realized that no one wanted an origin story again. So they're just going to mm-hmm. go crazy because the first 15 minutes of that and the last yeah. 15 or 20 minutes of that is so bizarre,
0: Yeah. And nuts. I forgot Rhino's in there. They overdo that third one, that uh, second Garfield one too. Yeah.
1: You don't know. It's insane. And I yeah. think it's like you said, like they, they jumped the gun. They were like, let's not wait until, you know, amazing Spider-Man three. Let's just, mm-hmm. let's just go crazy now. And, uh, you know, at least, at least Batman waited a couple films and, uh, yeah, you I know, know. Every, Superman waited a couple films and, uh, yeah. you know, before they, they went crazy, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Spider-Man four would. Spider-Man four.
0: I I'm with you. I like,
1: it, I don't think it would have, I don't think it would have been received well, and I don't yeah. know how they could possibly, Scale it back unless they waited like yeah. Unless they waited as long as they did between what 2007 and 2012. Is that Mm what the you put enough
0: time there where it's like veteran Spider-Man, he's gone through some shit, but he's back and yeah, you could have pulled off an older to like a 30-something Toby in there. Well, he was already 30 (laughs) by that point, but you know (laughs) Fane playing 30-something, but yeah, so and the hard part I think also from a Hollywood standpoint is by the time you bring in the, by the time you have a third film of you know hot James Franco, or at least at his hottest time, and then you have a bigger hot-ish name that is Topher Grace, even though fuck that guy, like you you step back to Dylan Baker and he doesn't exactly sell tickets. You know, Alfred Molina can get away with it because you have Raimi and you have the character, and and he showed you that hey, Alfred Molina is just a little bit higher grade of character actor than a dylan baker would be and then defoe is just off the charts which we love so if you go to a yeah yeah well i don't he could it's just much it's fun but it's just a little much but no if you if you're at dylan baker that's probably not enough like you said to sell the movie after you went big in the other movie where if the lizard's there he's he's a side thing to something else unfortunately i've always wanted and would love because once you i know the sinister six is what everybody's goddamn holy grail is that everyone wants to do a sinister six thing and the garfield movies were going there the holland movies are going there but just stay street level man i want to craven the hunt craven the last hunt movie that's that's a big enough villain for one movie and if lizards kind of your side thing just because you've got that arc with baker that'd be great but uh like and, I'm, and I'm, with people, I'm with you they couldn't have pulled it off
1: and we'll talk about this on the holland episodes but like you said, that's how they started with the first Holland film. It was very much a New York movie with a I very uh, yeah. street-level villain in Michael Keaton. And then, yeah, by the time you get to Infinity War, he's in space. I remember I, I showed my dad Infinity War. He, he didn't see Homecoming or any of that stuff. And he's like, why is Spider-Man in space? I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I know uh, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't know what to tell you.
2: It's complicated. It's complicated.
0: It's complicated.
1: You had to be there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's a lot. Uh, Folks, final thoughts on the McGuire verse here. Kudos, we're missing anywhere.
2: Um, Kristen does. I love her. Yeah,
1: there you go. Um, Great. She's great. She should get a. I don't know how Don feels about this, but okay. Maybe some Oscar love for Power of the Dog. Maybe. I mean, she's never really got got any
0: yeah she, she deserves it for the power of the dog it, supporting actress in a year where that's a high profile netflix thing yeah she deserves it
2: i mean it, 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 yeah. i mean I, like if we're talking about other favorite like kirsten dunce uh i'm gonna say like you know marie antoinette which is totally underrated mm-hmm. and beautiful mm-hmm. and amazing because sophia coppola is an artist damn it um mm-hmm. but generally yeah. um you know another part of the reason i love uh spider-man 2 so much is like that scene at the end where like she totally just like ran off and is standing in his doorway in her wedding dress because she was going to marry the other guy. And then she didn't like, uh, like tears mm-hmm. every time. Great
0: scene. Every yep. time. Yep. So,
2: anyway, I
0: tell you, man, Spider-Man too. I I'm with Rachel where that's Mount Rushmore of comic book movies kind of level stuff, man. It's yep. just so damn good. Everything I, I about think, it.
1: I think we cannot um, go without the, Danny Elfman score yes yes because I still get tingles same here spider tingles I still get them I think that theme is so good yeah um
0: and yeah. Especially when you compare it to the Garfield stuff, like Garfield had Horner come in and kind of doing what Horner does, which is reuse his motifs. Hans Zimmer came in and dubstep the second one, and it just smeared it all over the place. And I love Michael Giacchino; he's a yeah. very, very good score maker, and he's got a nice little signature sound with the Holland stuff. But it is not as indelibly just, just all of the feels the way the Elfman yeah, stuff is. Yeah, that's
1: been that has been one of the major issues with the Holland stuff. Is they've never. They haven't found that sound. I mean, I, I like the They're homecoming.
0: Close. I like the
1: homecoming theme.
0: Yeah, me too. But
1: every trailer for every film that's come out, homecoming, far from home, no way home, is always like Spider Man. Spider Man does whatever. <laughs> us. You know, like they don't Hard like, to get away from just, that. Yeah, it doesn't. Whereas, like with the the Elfman stuff, when that stuff kicks in, like if I have that on like random, mm-hmm. like if I'm writing or doing some work and that comes on, it's like. Just like the Spider-Sense thing. Pump it
0: Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. It's indelible. You know it's yeah. Spider-Man as soon as you hear it. And it's yeah. so rare nowadays, especially in MCU, outside of the Captain America theme that kind of morphed to become the Avengers theme. There's not a lot of, like, you hear it and you know, like, motif numbers out there. And mm-hmm. that yeah, have had it, be, man.
1: You have to be, like, a weirdo like me who, like, loves, like, Christoph Beck's Ant-Man theme. or Yeah. but uh, this, The Guardians, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy theme is pretty cool. And. Yeah. Uh, but no no I know what you mean it's like and that was actually that's actually an MCU problem too it's like it you is. had this really great score in Iron Man from uh what's how do you pronounce the same Rom- oh Robin.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah 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 you got it
1: you had this uh, awesome technical metal like metalish yeah. score like I don't mean metal like heavy metal I mean like it felt like people constructing things you know like it was <laughs> like a very like metallic score yeah and then they just kind of went to nothing in Spider-Man or uh, Iron Man 2 and then Iron Man 3, you had the Shane Black stuff where it's kind of this peppy, jazzy kind of thing. And it's like, you don't don't have that through line. No. At the very least, even when Danny Elfman didn't come back for Spider-Man 3, uh, Christopher Young, Mm -hmm. basically, he added a couple of his own things, but still honored Spider-Man 1 and 2 so that you never lose that theme. X-Men was the same way. I agree. X-Men had a very consistent theme running throughout. I I do miss some of that musical consistency.
0: I think it's a level, I think that's one place where Marvel, other than Giacchino, hasn't just farmed very good talent because it took bringing in an old school guy like Alan Silvestri Mm -hmm. who knows how to make a theme to make a theme because his cap stuff and adventure stuff is so incredible.
1: It can also be you've got so many projects going, you can't have them like one person doing. 30 projects. You know? No, so no but, if you,
0: but if you could lock him down and sign him up for a while, there it was Giacchino. Like he, yeah, he, he invented, did Spider Man, he did Doctor Strange, he hopped over and did, I think he's got another one in there other than the Spider Man movies, but he's been selling. He,
1: he did the music for the title for the Marvel Studios uh, right. title screen. You know, he invented yeah. that. Uh, and so, um,
0: speaking, yeah. of, I, I got one more Elfman question odds, yeah. odds, and betting odds that we're going to hear. Please. That motif pop into this Please, new movie. Me.
2: Like like things that I expect to happen so I can sit in my like oversized uh you know Sam Raimi trilogy sweatshirt and cry. Okay. Um I <laughs> absolutely like Toby Maguire has to show up, the Danny Elfman mm-hmm. theme has to play. And then he has mm. to say, "With great power comes great responsibility." And then Ooh. I'll just like, uh, like I'll just Melt. be a puddle, I'll yep. be a puddle.
0: Oh my goodness! Like
2: I, I, I need it to happen. I need it to happen.
1: Yeah, it, it, it would remind me of like I know this is, might be a strange reference, but like Jerry Goldsmith when he would do Star Trek scores. Yes, yes. He, he he would throw in Old these little things man. like yes. like there was. Because, like, okay, so so Jerry Goldsmith did Star Trek the Motion Picture, right? And mm-hmm. He yep. introduced the Klingon theme that Yeah, yeah. You know, so he would like do these things where, like, the Klingons show up in Star Trek Five. He throws the theme in there for a minute just to kind of give you the feels, right? Mm-hmm. And there, I remember there's even there's even a moment in Star Trek First Contact. It's like five seconds mm-hmm. where Worf is climbing a ladder. Yes. And it goes da 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 da.
0: And yeah, it's like, it like even
1: if even if you're not like throwing in the whole theme, just that little sense of continuity. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're like, oh, it's war. It's a Klingon theme. I like the Klingon yeah. theme. Like, like you said, if, if they never touch it, right, they never touch the Elfman thing and then they get it for that moment. I mean, to mm-hmm. me, it would almost be on the level of like a, a Captain America Molnier situation. Oh, yeah. If, where, if Toby oh, shows yeah. up
0: and the Elfman theme is there, people are going to go crazy.
1: I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I, that's another thing we'll talk about in the next episode because mm-hmm. I, I want to get into yeah. about Holland, but we'll go into that in the next yeah. one because I, I do want to talk about that.
0: But Folks, uh, this is yeah. a nice episode then, man. Thank you. Yeah, Rachel, uh, great to uh, have yeah. you back.
1: Always a pleasure. All right, so everybody, I want you to follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. We are, Sir Pat, we're getting close to 300 follows there, so Ooh. thank you so much for that. Uh, also find us both on letterboxd. Uh Rachel are you on letterboxd?
2: I am not on letterboxd. I am behind. Um I am on Twitter at all back to front.
1: Okay, cool. Cuz you got to get on letterboxd. I think you would I'd love to see your reviews pop up for film cuz I know that you have very intriguing tastes and I I love <laughs> you you like me, you go into these moods where you get into like certain film series or types and then you kind of you kind of binge those kind of like I do. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. You got that Wong
0: Kar Wai binge going on right now that is fascinating. I did
1: did every film. Oh, wow. So so if you guys want to see a Wong Kar Wai retrospective on my Letterbox, (laughs) go follow me, Will Joe, because I literally watched all 15 of his feature films in the last two weeks. Um, Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes, guys. So we help that tomato meter or splat meter, either one, depending. Um, If you enjoyed the show, we have more where that came from. We have more interesting hosts just like Rachel and wonderful guests just like Rachel. I guess I meant to say that in the second part. (laughs) Whatever. All available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Now get me the Spider-Man!